<clears throat> when the uh, disciples were out on the boat with Jesus, and Jesus calmed the winds and the waves, they said, what manner of man is this, who commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him? Uh, they were so amazed, I imagine their jaws were hanging open, and you know their eyes were big, and they, as they looked at each other, what, what did we just see here? Uh, they were so amazed by the greatness of Jesus' power. Well, it is a wonderful thing to know how great our Savior is, and to worship Him, and as we think about Jesus coming to this earth, I think it, it's uh, an evil thing to think about what He does for us today, because He's not just a baby in a manger. He has died, He has risen, He has ascended, one day He's coming, and He is active in our lives today. We serve a living Savior. And so uh, I want to just uh, go through some of this uh, scripture here in Isaiah chapter 9 just to remind us about the greatness of our Savior. And the context of this is actually uh, the uh, prophecy given to the uh, people of Israel. And uh, they had gone through judgment. They were going to go through judgment. And uh, it was a, a matter of stages. Israel has been judged uh, Judah is on the way to judgment, and um, uh, in in this future uh, scene that Isaiah sees. But Isaiah, after telling them in chapter eight about the judgment that was coming, he's now telling them about what God is going to do to bring hope uh, to a people that don't deserve it. Aren't you glad that Jesus does things for people who don't deserve it? Uh, because I, I sure need His grace. Uh, we need to worship Christ for all his greatness. And the title of my message is Describing Jesus, and we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen the great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Describing Jesus. How is Jesus described? Well, first of all, before we get to the specific ways, notice he's talking about Galilee. Where was Jesus raised as a young boy? He was raised in Nazareth, right? Nazareth is in Galilee. So Jesus actually, the the very geographical location where Jesus would live uh, is predicted here in this scripture. But also, 
uh, the character of who he is. And so how is Jesus described? First of all, he is our light. Uh, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Boy, uh, the Israelite people had walked in darkness. They had gone further and further into sin, further and further away from God. Uh, they had experienced the judgment of God. And, and all of it seems like there's no hope. Uh, God had sent prophet after prophet. God had given them his word. God had done all these things for them, and yet still they would not turn. They were in darkness, but praise God, through his mighty power, people who are in darkness can be shown the light of his truth and of his grace. Uh, Jesus is the light. He said, I am the light of the world. He that believes in me will never walk in darkness. Uh, it's amazing when you come to faith in Christ and you begin to understand what life is all about. And he begins to give you light and understanding into his word. And as he changes your heart um, and makes you a, a child of his and a part of his kingdom, you understand what life is all about. There is a light that dawns in your mind and your heart. Uh, he is our light. Secondly, he is our savior. He is our Savior. Look at verse 4. You have shattered their oppressive yoke. The, the Assyrians used to brag about the great yoke of oppression that they put upon their subjects. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel had been taken captive. And, uh, and the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, the Galilee area, was the first area the Assyrians uh, attacked and took captives. And so uh, this yoke of oppression that they would feel, uh, he, is, he is saying, Jesus will shatter this yoke. And in the rod on their shoulder, the staff of the oppressor, Jesus will defeat their enemies. Now, it is true that the Assyrians were defeated in history. That is true. But Jesus is still shattering the yoke of oppressor, uh, oppressors today. Uh, Jesus sets us free from the power of sin. From the power of Satan. I was reading in my, in my devotions this morning uh, where it talks about God through Christ has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. He has shattered the yoke of Satan upon our lives. And one day Jesus will come back at the second coming. And the Bible says that every eye will see him. By his brightness, his enemies are slain. By the sword that comes from his mouth, by his very word, he speaks and his enemies are decimated. That's the awesome power of our Savior. He will, he will be our Savior. Physically, spiritually, as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So, uh, worship him for that. Praise him that he is your Savior. Praise him that he is your light. But thirdly, the scripture says that he is our ruler. Look at verse 4. I mean, excuse me, verse 6. For a child will be born for us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulder. What does that mean? The government will be on our shoulders. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of saying that he will be a ruler. He will be in charge of the government of Israel. Now, Jesus, when he was here in his earthly life, he said, the kingdom of God has come to you. And he, he spoke about the kingdom of God being in you. 
Uh, that is, yes, it was future, but it was also present spiritually, and they were to respond by surrendering their hearts to Him and putting their trust in Jesus to follow Him. And they would become part of the kingdom of God. In order to have a kingdom, you have to have a king and subjects, right? Jesus is the king. We're the subjects who put our faith in Christ. And so he is our ruler. He is our king. We bow the knee to Jesus Christ. But one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the scripture says when he comes back at the second coming, he'll set up his earthly kingdom and he'll rule and reign. And all the kingdoms of the world will be under his authority and he'll reign from Jerusalem. This is the plan of God. So the child born in the manger at Christmas was intended not only to save us from our sins, but one day to save us physically through his rule and reign in the time of the millennium. So worship him because he is our ruler. Obey him. Surrender your heart to him on a daily basis. Take up your cross daily and follow him because he is our ruler. So he is our light. He is our savior. He is our ruler. Next, he is our wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Verse 6 says, he, he will be named wonderful counselor. He has given us his counsel in the pages of scripture. He gives us his counsel through the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he is the wonderful counselor. Uh, I had a friend named Bill in Texas, and he would, he would a lot of times counsel me, and you know, just as a friend, and uh, speak into my life, and I, I really appreciated uh, the work that, that he would do with me, and, and the encouragement that he brought through his counsel, but I can tell you there is no counselor like the wonderful counselor. Uh, he counsels us in how to live our lives in his word, and, and he counsels us through his spirit and his direction in our life. Praise him for it, and worship him for it. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, next, Mighty God. Mighty God. Now, some people have tried to explain this away. Say, well, it didn't really mean Mighty God. The word can be translated differently and so forth and so on. But the fact of the matter is, the, the most basic meaning is the meaning Mighty God. And... This would be shocking to the people because normal human beings didn't claim to be God. If you want an example of that, when Jesus is speaking with the religious leaders, he says these words, Before Abraham was, I am. What was he saying? He's saying, you know the I am? God says, I am that I am to Moses. That's who I am. I'm the great I am. And they understood exactly what, what he meant because they picked up rocks to stone him. They, they were furious that he, a mere man, would claim to be God. But he was God. <laughs> and uh, he showed it when he rose from the dead and through many other ways in his life. And uh, the prophecy says that this child would be the mighty God. Worship him as God. By the way, did you know that's why Jesus can't be a second-class God? or a, 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 a the, the, First of all, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God. But 
some will say, well, well, Jesus is just a good prophet, or he is just, he's a lesser God. No, he is the mighty God. There, he, he is as much God as the Father. Isn't that a mystery? How God himself could become a man. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And as the mighty God... Not only is he able to help us in our daily life, that's a wonderful blessing to know that there's nothing we can face that God can't handle. But as the mighty God, he is able to save us from sin. And there is no sin that is too great that Jesus cannot overcome it. There's no sin too great that Jesus can't forgive it. Why? Because he is the mighty God. You remember they were saying, Jesus said to the man, your sins be forgiven you. They got all upset. Only God can say that. Well, he was God. And Jesus said, your sin will be forgiven. Which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven, or rise, take up your bed and walk, and I'll show you that I can forgive sins. Rise, take up your bed and walk. You see, he is the mighty God. He can forgive our sins. And, and he has said in Scripture, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. He is our mighty God. Worship him for it. Thank him for it. Trust him. Next, he is the everlasting father. The everlasting father. Sometimes kings in the, in the old ancient Near East would, would be called father. Uh, they, in the sense that they would care for their subjects. But Jesus is the perfect father in that he will never die. You know, if you've got a good father, that's a great blessing. Uh, you know, but we have our fathers for a limited time, don't we? There will be a time, if Jesus tarries, where our fathers will die and they'll pass on. Uh, my, my dad has told me there have been times when, he said, there have been times that I wished I could sit down and talk with my father. But he's not there. He died when my dad was a teenager. Um, Jesus is always there. There's never a time where he's not available for us to come to him in prayer. There's never a time where he will forsake us. He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. David said this, if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will take me up. Isn't that a wonderful truth? He is the everlasting father. Hebrews says he's the eternal priest. Uh, and because he lives forever, he is able always to intercede for us. That's our eternal, everlasting Father, Jesus. And next, he is our Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I remember when I came uh, to place my faith in Christ when I was an 11-year-old boy. Um, after about a year of struggle... I knelt down at the altar, and I said, God, help me do this. Uh, and, and, and I surrendered my heart to him, and I put my trust in him and received his salvation. And the guilt that I had was gone, and something was different inside. I, it's hard to explain, but there was peace. And... God not only gives us peace in the sense of reconciling us with God, but he gives us the peace of God as we walk with him. 
You walk in obedience to Him and trust in Him and the filling of His Holy Spirit. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. But see, the peace of God that we experience now is just a taste of what is yet to come. The Hebrew word shalom that's translated peace uh, isn't limited just to the peace in one's heart. It's limited. It, it describes all of life, a well-being in all of life. And that one day, Jesus is going to come back as the Prince of Peace. And after he destroys the Antichrist and, and all of the enemies of, of God, uh, he's going to rule as the Prince of Peace. And the Bible says that the, the curse will be turned back. Uh, the lion will lay, lay down with the lamb. Children will play with serpents and won't be harmed. Uh, there will be peace on earth. Uh, Jesus will affect every area and facet of life. And then there will be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem, and we will live in perfect harmony. No bad news, no sickness, no pain, no death, no heartache, but perfect existence in life for all of eternity. What a wonderful hope we have. He is the Prince of peace. Jesus stood on the Sea of Galilee and said, Peace, be still. He gave us a great illustration of what he's going to do someday when he returns. All of creation will hear the command of a sovereign Savior who is mighty God, and it will obey. That's who our Savior is. The work that God began at Christmas in fulfillment of this prophecy. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. It started at Christmas time 2,000 years ago. That work is still going on today, but it is going to happen in the future as well. What a hope that we have. Um, We need to worship and praise our God. And I want to close this service a little differently tonight, rather than doing an invitation. If you don't know Jesus, come to see me after. I'd love to, to uh, pray with you and let you help you start a new relationship with him. But I just want us as a, as a body of believers to respond in worship to the Lord uh, in prayer. And so, uh, n- n- not necessarily a long prayer. You can just do a sentence prayer. Lord, I praise you. Jesus, I praise you because fill in the blank. Let's just worship him for the great God that he is. Uh, Anyone who wants to pray can pray during this time. And once you're done, I will close.